This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Being called of God is a very special moment in your life. And I think oftentimes we, we misunderstand what that calling really is. For me, um, when I was called into ministry, I, I didn't understand what was happening. I wasn't, um, I'd say I raised in the church, but I wasn't engaged in the church, I'll say that. I grew up in a church, my mom went to church, my dad wasn't really active in the church, so I didn't understand how to engage with God. I knew about going to church, right? I know about seeing my mom do devotions, but I didn't know how to have a relationship with God. So I remember when I was 18, and uh, I felt like, God was finally talking to me as I was in church. And I went up in the front and, you know, people clapped and then I got baptized. Uh, but I didn't understand what I had really done, what, what was called of me. So I, I say I got saved, right? But then I quickly strayed from God. I was a blue chip All-American football player, got scholarships everywhere, but ended up going to a small school in Daytona Beach, Florida, uh, because I wanted to go to Notre Dame. Uh, but Notre Dame picked another guy from West Virginia. Uh, his, he was about six foot six. He ran about a four or one, or two. You may know his name. Oh, Randy Moss. Yeah, yeah. you've heard my sermon before. Please, <laughs> don't give it away. <laughs> so I was really dejected. Didn't go to Notre Dame. Ended up going to a small school, and and there I, I, I sinned. I strayed from God. Now I still believe that He was who He says He was, but it didn't have any effect on my life. So I continued in the direction I was going, and I was a sinner, and I was good at sinning. And because of that, ended up, sadly, uh, a young man ended up dying trying to walk in my footsteps. I remember uh, the, the day it happened, uh, the club, blood was everywhere, and I remember like, gosh, what has happened? And I remember after that going home and understanding God had spared my life, and I remember Falling to my knees. I had never seen that in a book or a movie anywhere. I remember falling to my knees and saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And I love to say from that point forward, it was all peaches and cream, but it was not. I struggled and I stumbled and I fall, fell and tripped and I, I kept making mistakes and I was trying to read my Bible and I was trying to read my left behind novels. I mean, I was getting right with God. But nevertheless, um, I continued to stray. I thought, you know what? God gave me gifts and talents. I was a six foot four. I ran a four three. Um, I'm in college. I'm reading my Bible. You know, you know what? God's going to allow me to go to the NFL. Well, my last year of college, I actually tore my groin celebrating in the end zone after an amazing interception. I can't skip that part. <laughs> After I'd made this amazing interception, I got up and started dancing and ripped my groin, and I said, why, God? But I still, I didn't hear God call me. I, I didn't understand my purpose still. 
So even though I was still devoted to God, I started going back to church to understand God. I didn't understand what this calling really was. I thought, well, he made me tall and fast and strong. Obviously, I'm meant to play football. So I got into the NFL, and the entire team, the 98 team, almost everybody was a Christian. We were the Christian team, the Jesus team, as we went around to beat teams like Chicago and, you know, Pittsburgh and all those teams. We were destroying Green Bay. We were killing them. Sorry if you're a Detroiter fan. <laughs> Nevertheless, we were 15-1 and one that year. You know that season. I'm thinking, I'm doing what God created me to do. I was created to play football. But then God called me out when I was in the NFL. And I heard his voice clearly say, I called you to feed my sheep. At that point, I knew why I existed. I was in the NFL at that time, and God called me out to feed his sheep. And I'm like, cool. I was okay with that. Why? Because I knew why I breathed. Even though I was six foot four and I was running four threes, bench pressing 400 pounds, squatting 600 pounds, none of that mattered because I knew why I existed. Now, I'd love to say from that point forward it was all peaches and cream, but it was not. So eventually, left NFL. And then a couple years later, my wife at the time left me. And I remember asking God while I was laying on the floor. Weeping and crying in the fetal position. Why? And I heard him say this. Be faithful. Be faithful. And I said, okay. I'll follow you. And from that point, 2010 until now, 2017, I've been following Jesus wherever he asked me to go. My journeys have taken me to Iraq, Egypt, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Haiti, and Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah! But I would love to say I knew exactly the steps I was supposed to take. I, he called me to be a pastor to feed his sheep, but he hasn't gone the same direction every single time. I've gotten different jobs. I've had different professions. I've been in different cities, different states. But the one thing I knew I was called to do when I was laying on the floor crying, weeping, I've been faithful to follow him wherever he went. Today, we're going to talk about probably, in my opinion, one of the most important topics in Christianity, your purpose. Christy talked about it. I don't even know she knew the sermon today, but it's a, we're, we're going to talk about repentance. But the word repentance means what? Change your what? Your mind. There's another connotation, and this is the one that's being used today. It's changing your purpose to God's purpose. What's the purpose of your life? When you have a particular purpose of your life, things you may be gifted and talented to do, and God calls you, he calls you away from your purpose to his purpose. Man, I remember my dad was wrestling with me. He said, son, you were made to play football. Why are you going into ministry? I'm like, because that's what God called me to do. He's like, but you've been playing, you got to the NFL. Many people don't get there, but I knew why I existed. And now, 
I'm following God wherever he takes me because I've changed my purpose for the purpose of God. The question is, have you repented? Have you turned your life from your purpose to his? Because there's a fundamental issue. When you live your life for your purpose, you're still outside of God's will. Now, you may not be cussing and killing, and you may not be watching porn or committing fornication or adultery, but if your purpose is not God's purpose, you are still outside of his will. We're going to see today in scriptures that the disciples, as you saw in the video, they were doing stuff. They were all fishing with their families. They had a profession. And you see, immediately when Jesus called and they left what they were doing to follow Jesus wherever he went. I love to say Jesus is calling all us all just to sit in the church and, and worship, but that's not it. You have gifts and talents, and he gave you those gifts and talents to further his kingdom. Many people today are scared about September 23rd. I know. I'm a little nervous, but not a whole lot nervous because I understand if he comes, I'm ready. I've been walking in my purpose for at least seven years. So regardless if it's September 23rd or next year, January 1st, understand God has a purpose for your life. And it's your responsibility to bow your will, to worship God, and follow him wherever he goes. That's what the sermon is about today. I got a quote, and we're going to get started. You're saying, Pastor, how on earth do we have a quote by Otis Huxley? I understand. I'm not quoting him positively, but he just makes an interesting point. He says, chronic remorse, as all the moralists are agreed, is a most undesirable sentiment. If you behave badly, repent and make what amends you can and address yourselves to the task of behaving better next time. Oh, no account. Brood over your wrongdoing. Rolling in the muck is not the best way of getting clean. We know Otis Huxley did not believe in God. Obviously, he was one of the watchdogs of evolution, and his goal was to eradicate Judeo-Christian principles and put in currently what we have today, secular humanist principles. He was a naturalist. He didn't believe in morals. He, he believed in if it does you good, or as they say, if it feels good, then what? Do it. I'm here to say that repenting is not confessing. Repenting is not even feeling bad. Repenting is changing your mind, and today the connotation is changing your purpose for your life and giving it to God. What is your purpose on this earth? If you can answer that question, you're close to the Lord. Let's jump in the Bible. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, verses. We're going to go through 12 through 22. Even though there's a lot of scriptures in there today, we're not going to specify every single one, but we're going to address the main themes in each one and hopefully come to some conclusion based upon our observations. You know, the book of Matthew is written to Jews, a Jewish context. And when Matthew was writing, we understand Matthew was a tax collector. So we believe Matthew wrote in shorthand. He had the capacity of writing down stuff very quickly. And because he had the ability, Matthew has three of four of Jesus' longest and most known speeches or sermons. Matthew, we believe, took shorthand. And because of that, he was able to get a lot of details in it that all the other authors didn't necessarily get in there. 
So we go to Matthew, understand he's writing to a Jewish audience, and he uses a lot of prophecies. And through those prophecies, hoping to convince the Jewish audience that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. We jump into chapter 4. He is just Jesus, had been baptized, and now he's raised out of the water. He went into the desert to be tempted by Satan. But right here, something peculiar happens. He has not preached yet, according to Matthew. And today, we're going to talk about his first sermon, what it really was, and how that sermon should and could hopefully impact our lives today. In verse 12, it says, Now when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Understand, this was a cause and effect because he heard something happen to John, his forerunner, John the baptizer. It launched his ministry. John had to decrease and Jesus had to increase. John's ministry had to go away. And now Jesus knew it was time for him to step on the stage. And he went to a specific place, which is appropriate today, Galilee. Now, the scripture is going to talk about this place, Galilee, because it's important to the sermon. Do you know that 11 out of 12 of Jesus' disciples came from this region called Galilee? 11 out of 12. Only one of them did not. His name was Judas. And Judas came from Jerusalem. Interesting point. But let's hopefully look at the scripture to get some context about Galilee. It says in verse 13, And leaving Nazareth, so he has left Nazareth and went to Galilee, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. This is the same area, Galilee. Capernaum is a specific place in, in Galilee. But understand this, he dwelt there. This is a word that's conveying he lived there. We don't know how long, but there's a residence he took up there. And he lived among the people. People saw Jesus' life. They saw him getting up and working out and doing something. I'm working, I'm joking, but I'm saying he maybe worked out. I don't know. He could have done push-ups, sit-ups. I don't know. I would have done them. But nevertheless, I don't know what Jesus did. But he was living there, and people saw his life. Let's go on. Which is by the sea. And the regions, and here is the point of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it may be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying what? In the land of Zebulun, and in the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan of Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and a shadow of death, light has dawned. This is very important. Because Galilee was once called Naphtali. Galilee was once called Zebulun. These areas were on the northwestern region of the Israel borders. And this was one of the first areas that was conquered by the Assyrians. This area had a problem with idolatry. They always worshipped other idols and gods, but they were very intellectual. But this area had been in darkness for over 700 plus years. And Isaiah the prophet saw what was about to happen to this area that was in darkness. They were about to be wiped out. And when the Assyrians came to wipe out, the Assyrians, as I always say jokingly, the Assyrians were like the Klingons. They were ruthless. When the Babylonians came and destroyed the southern kingdom, the Babylonians were very kind of benevolent. They were killers. They, were, they wiped people out, but they didn't destroy the whole kingdom. They kind of kept the kingdom and just kind of usurped it, kind of put a leader over it, and they ran it from there. They didn't destroy all the inhabitants and the culture, but the Assyrians wiped everybody out. They destroyed everybody. 
And this area was the first area to be wiped out where the Assyrians came down from the north. And when people saw them wiped out the way they were, they were in shock and awe because they were asking, how could God allow us to be destroyed in such a fashion? What has happened? Now, we know based upon the prophecy, their hearts continued to stray from God. But as we dig in the scripture today, the Matthew is making a bigger point. This land had its own purpose. They had its own desire. They were living life the way they wanted to live. They had particular goals and dreams and aspirations that did not line up with God. See, ultimately, when we talk about sin, we're really talking about purpose. Remember, Adam and Eve, remember when the temptation came from Satan? Eve was deceived, thinking that she could be like God. So she would be free from God's covering, his will. Satan tempted her, and Adam bit as well. He, he took the bait. And nevertheless, when we talk about sin, you may talk about lying. You may talk about stealing or killing. But ultimately, you're talking about what is the purpose of your life. What has God called you to do? When you choose willingly to sin, you're saying not your will, God, but my will be done. And when we trust God, we're saying, God, you have set in before me a particular path, a purpose. And I'm trying to find that purpose. So I, I'm willingly surrendering to you. I don't know what's going to happen in the next step, but because I've surrendered to you, I'm going to walk this thing out until it's over. God understands we're going to sin, we're going to make mistakes. That didn't disqualify us. But God's hope is that we'll walk out our purpose in this life. God has a particular calling for you. And if you still have breath in your body, it's not too late. These people in Zebulun and Naphtali were in darkness. They were living out their own purpose. And Jesus came to show them their true purpose for their life. In verse 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, what? Repent. This is Jesus' sermon. He's saying, repent. Change your mind about your purpose, about your life, and turn it to God's. There was a quote by a game that guy named uh, Jason Kidd, a basketball player from California, and it's a funny quote. Everyone makes fun of him every, because every time they play it over and over, it's just so silly. He says, you know what? This team, we've turned it around. We've done a 360. And he just kept on talking because I don't think he understood the faux pas he made. He meant to say 180, right? <laughs> but he said 360. He said, we've turned around. Now we're going exactly the way we just turned from. <laughs> and that's what many of us do when we repent. We come to God and we say, God, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus is walking. And we say, I'll follow you. Okay, not that direction. This is not about sin per se, about a particular behavior. But it's about surrendering your will to God every day. The Bible says to Paul, I die daily. Where is Jesus taking you today? Some of you were led by God to come to this church today, and you listened to God, and you came to church today here. Thank God you listened. But you're going to leave here, 
And God still has a purpose and plan for your life. I don't know what that is, but that's something you have to invest in your relationship with God to find out. All your experiences are treasures to be used to help other people. Every tear, every bit of suffering, every disappointment, and every victory can be used to help other people trust in this living God we have. Question is, are you going to follow Jesus? Where is he right now in your life? Where is he trying to take you? Have you been one of those people who said, I'm not going to do that, God. That ain't me. I'm not built that way, God. I don't want to stand in front of people and talk to them about Jesus. I am a natural introvert. I don't like talking in front of people. You know what I like doing? Sitting at home. You see, I smile. You saw that, David? I started smiling when I started dreaming. Sitting at home, reading a book. I'm like, yes. I love playing NFL football. Why? Because I have a helmet on. No one can see my face really, right? I couldn't play basketball or baseball because they would see my face all the time. But, man, put a helmet on. Man, I'm out there. I'm wild. I'm going crazy. I'm an introvert. But God called me to be a preacher. This is not my will. I don't think I'm a particularly good speaker. I'm from West Virginia, and when I talk normally, I sound like this. And I'm not joking because this is my normal accent. I talk about my hair and my clothes. I'm from West Virginia, y'all. This is me. But I can't talk like that anymore, so I work really hard to get rid of the accents because people would not come to this church. I sound like this, right? <laughs> so we go on. Jesus says, repent. And I love this. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh, I feel God's presence. It's what it's about. God's kingdom was made clear in the book of Daniel, which is coming, which we who are saved are citizens of. And because we're God's citizens, we yield to his rule. His rule hopefully is in your life, and as you move, God's kingdom move. And when people see you, they don't see you, they see God in you. That's why you're being asked to kind of be conformed to the image of Jesus because people should not see you. They should see Jesus in you. Where you go, Jesus goes. Where you walk, Jesus walks. Where you talk, Jesus talks. The question is, are you following Jesus? Or are you following your own plan? I could talk about Frank Sinatra right here. This would be a very good insert. He had this song we all know and love that he did it what? My way. I can't see. Ooh, I'm not going to embarrass myself because I would just run. But nevertheless, he did it his way. Great song. Maybe not so great. But nevertheless, we can't do it our way. Don't you see, sometimes we have this natural propensity to love the underdog, to love the man or woman who rises up from the ashes, pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and conquers. That's a great story. But the Christian story is not that. It's that we're a people, a unique people called to surrender our lives like sheep to the slain lamb who died. And that's our story. But the promise is if we yield to him now, we will receive eternal riches now on this earth and in eternity. Verse 18, it says, And Jesus walked by the sea of Galilee, which we said is also the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. He saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. 
for they were or were, were past tense fishermen. And what does Jesus say? Go set your accounts right. Go invest all your money. Go tell your people you're going on a trip. He didn't say any of that. What does he say? Follow me. What about my job? What about my 401k, my 503b? What about my IRF? IRF Roth fund? I tried. It didn't work. <laughs> what about it, Lord? What about my retirement? I'm not opposed to retirement. I'm not opposed to I have my own 401k. I'm not, I'm not opposed to any of that thing. I'm just saying, look at where Jesus is making the priority. Follow me. Remember, he said, repent. He began to preach the kingdom of heaven. And now he's saying, follow me. The author is showing you what repentance looks like. He's not saying they're sinning. They're fishing. They're fishermen. He's saying, turn from that life to me. Turn from your purpose to mine. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Listen to this. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. Understand, the author has inserted what? The dad in this one. He's inserted a family. They had the exact same profession, but now there's a family member there. There's this emotion now tied to this now, and Jesus says the same thing. Follow me. What about his dad? What about their business? What about the fish sandwiches? The market's doing good. They're grabbing market share. Oh, my goodness. Their, their IPO was great. Their investments are going up, and that's a great business. They're in Galilee, hot spot. He says, follow me. God, I could stay in the NFL. You could give me millions of dollars. I could get millions, and I could use that money, Lord, to expand your kingdom. Right? You hear me, right? God, keep me in the NFL for just five more years, and I'll, and I'll get all this, and I'll invest it, and I'll send missionaries around the world with the money you gave me. God's like, follow me. I could have debated. I could have negotiated. I didn't see those guys negotiating. They just followed. Are you following Jesus? We're about to wind down. At the end, he called them immediately. They left their boat and their father and followed him. Got a couple points that we're done for the day. Point one, Jesus showed us that repentance indicates a turning away from your purpose of life and turning to repurposing and following God's purpose for your life. I would love to say I know what God's purpose is for your life. I don't, I can't tell you that. But I could tell you this, you have gifts and talents that are designed for God. The way you look, the way you talk, your family background, if you're beautiful, if you're strong, if you're intelligent, all those things are used for God's glory if you surrender to him. Now, you can use all those gifts and talents to make plenty of money, to do great things on the earth. You can be very successful, but Jesus talks about that man who had two barns, right, full of hay. And he says, I've done good, so I'm a rest. And Jesus said, you fool today. Today, your life is required of you. We talked about this before. There have been people who saved all their lives for the retirement. On the day of retirement, they died and didn't get to use any of their retirement money. What is your purpose? Today, trust God. Hear his voice. 
and respond so that you could be walking right behind Jesus, fulfilling your purpose. He has a plan for your life. What's that plan? Point two, if you're not living God's purpose for your life, then you have not repented in the sense that you have not given up your purpose for God's purpose. What is God's purpose for your life? Have you rethought what you were designed for, you were gifted for? What has God given you those experiences for? Man, I'm telling you, God could have left me in in the NFL and I would have been okay. He could have left me in West Virginia and I didn't have to change my accent, but he called me to Minnesota. I can't even do the Minnesota accent yet, so I'm still struggling there. Well, why here, Lord? Why Minnesota? I don't know. Maybe you. Maybe God prepared me before the foundation of the earth to speak a word for you today. And hopefully maybe you'll get it. Maybe this is not accident. Maybe this is not coincidence. Maybe we came here because of God's purpose, his sovereign will to meet in 2017 as the Vikings are about to beat the Steelers. Maybe we met today, the year the Vikings will win the Super Bowl. Maybe we came together prophesying good things over the Vikings. But understanding that God has a plan for our life. And if we live one more minute, we give all of that to the Lord. Or whether we live another 70 years, those years are his. What is God's purpose for your life? May God's purpose for your life, your purpose for life. I have a lot of people who I've heard say, man, I'm still struggling with the purpose of my life. Why? Isn't that the most important thing you need to be answered? Like, what is the purpose of my life? Why do I breathe? And God, who has a mouth, who created our mouth, God, who has eyes, who created our eyes, God, who has ears, who created ears, he can hear and talk and speak. God has a purpose for your life. What is that purpose? Turn to God so that you can be accepted in God's kingdom. Remember, his message was repent, change your mind, because his kingdom is nigh. I don't know what's going to happen September 23rd. I understand there are some signs in heaven that are supposed to happen that hasn't happened in 7,000 years. Do I think something significant is going to happen? I think so. I understand the signs and the seasons. I understand the times are changing. I understand things will never be the way they were. But I also understand that since Jesus' resurrection, it has been the end of days. And the church from the very beginning thought this, that he could come back any moment. How much more should we think that? He could come back any moment. Am I telling you to sell your house and move into our house? No, because we don't have a house. We have an apartment. We can't all fit. What I'm saying is think seriously about the purpose of your life. There are a lot of parables about what will you be found doing when the king comes back. It's important to God that you understand there's a responsibility on your shoulders to be busy about doing what he wants you to do. Man, I love to tell you, man, you know what? I'm about to get millions of dollars. I may. But what if I get next week $1.5 million from the NFL and they just pop that money into my account and the very next day Jesus goes back? Oh, Lord, could you wait at least one more year? 
almost had that Range Rover. <laughs> That's the inside joke, y'all. I'm just letting you know that. <laughs> you may be sitting fat right now. Praise God. Imagine this. You give one cent you have to somebody who needs it. God says you will not lose your reward. God says you give a cup of water to somebody who is his child. He says you will not, you'll receive a prophet's reward. God is trying to give out reward that you can never lose. You've got to understand what your purpose is. He's screaming from the rooftops. He's screaming from the cross. He's screaming today, understand your purpose. What is your purpose? His purpose. That's what it is, y'all. I don't know if the Vikings going to beat the Steelers. I don't like Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not a Steelers fan. I'm a Vikings fan. Do I want them to win? Yes, but they may lose. But will they win or lose? Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, you're going to see me dancing for the first time. You're going to see me shouting and screaming. We're going to be hugging and kissing forever. Yost, I'm going to hug you. And I'm going to hold you for a million years. Remember my words. I'm not going to let you go because we live in eternity, dude. It doesn't matter. You Bears fans, I don't know. I'm going to be picking on you. What in the world was wrong with you? That was sin. <laughs> Vikey fans will be hanging out forever. You, we don't get that forever. It doesn't end forever. All our pain and suffering, all that junk in our hearts that's hindering us to be vulnerable to God will be gone. The pastors who've heard us, the people in church who've heard us, the people outside the church who've heard us, the spouses that heard us, the kids who've heard us, all that pain and suffering gone. And you could be like a little kid again forever in God's presence. And we're going to race in heaven. And you may beat me. I'm going to practice for about a million years. I'm going to beat you. Cause it's forever. What am I saying? Can you just sacrifice your purpose for the next 100 years? I'm throwing a number out there. If you do it for just 100 years, then you can do what you want for the rest of eternity. Sounds like a good deal? Remember, Jesus first asked every disciple to follow him. That's the first thing he says. Are you following him? Welcome to Endurance Church. We're a church that loves Jesus Christ. We don't got it together. We're getting it together. But I believe when we do, what God has brought together and this very variety of mix of people, I believe, will be like a laser beam and will give hope to those people who don't have hope. We're going to help those people who are broken, who are sick, who are lost. We're going to cross over political and theological boundaries to hear God's voice. We don't care what denomination you're a part of. We just want the truth. We want Jesus. We want people to know Jesus. That's all we want. Know Jesus because he's the only guy that can help that pain in your heart. I know there's pain in there. It's, oh, you're human. I'm human. It's pain in there, y'all. My, look, my gut, I can't get it down. I've been trying to do sit-ups. I can't, Leo is just there, bro. I don't know what's going on. I got to do some, some drinks. Some, I don't know. I got pain. But nevertheless, God has a promise. If I endure the pain faithfully, he'll give me a new body. He'll give me a new life. And I'll never lose it.
This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. I'll set you as a seal upon my heart as a seal the grave.